This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Halton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of today? Well, what I can tell you is that Ron McCurley, since 2014, has served as president of Mohawk College and Mohawk College Foundation in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Previously, Ron served 10 years in the Ontario Public Service as Deputy Minister, Open Government, Interim President of Orange Air Ambulance, Deputy Minister, Government Services and Corporate CIO, and Chief Strategist for Ontario. Prior to joining the Ontario Public Service, Ron's career spanned 25 years in the private sector, where he held senior executive positions with Rogers Communications and Bank of Montreal. Ron holds a Master of Business Administration degree from Dalhousie University, an ICD.D designation from Rotman, is a fellow of the Institute of Canadian Bankers and a graduate of Harvard Business School's Advanced Management Program. Mr. McCurley is a member of the Board of Directors for Orion and former chair of the Board for World Vision Canada. Mr. and President Ron McCurley, welcome so very much to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald today. How are you? I'm good, Lisa, and thank you very much for having me on the show. I really appreciate that. Well, it's it's my honor, truly. And just to give some context for the loyal listener, uh, listening audience, I wanted to specifically have you on the show because I unexpectedly received a wonderful phone call from you, uh, I believe a week or two ago now. And uh, unbeknownst to me, you had indicated that I had been one of the recipients of the Alumni Distinction Award. And I was immensely touched. Uh, I'm still gobsmacked, to be perfectly honest. And I just want to say that it is my distinct honor to still have ongoing affiliations with such a reputable college, which is where I got my footing in my whole career. So I just want to say thank you to you for all your tireless work uh, and for everything you do as a servant leader. You truly are progressive and you're putting it out there. And uh, I know I speak on behalf of many when I say what I say. And there's a plethora that I could continue saying about you. (laughs) So thank you. Well, Lisa, you're very welcome. And it is a big honor. Uh, We have uh, graduated 125,000 
students through Mohawk College and 150 went on to become alumni distinction. So you're the 151st. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. So Ron, what I want to do is, you know, I want to talk specifically about Mohawk College. I want to talk about what's happening uh, because we, we know that this is recognized as an international institution. You have students who are flocking uh, from abroad. Things may be somewhat different and precarious in light of COVID, but we can talk a little bit about that. So let's talk about the entrepreneurship program. Let's talk about Mohawk College, um, the inception of Mohawk College, uh, your, your affiliation with Mohawk College, and uh, and what the general public may not be privy to that would be beneficial for people around the globe to know as to why it stands out as an iconic college. Great, we'd love to do that. It's, we have a 73 year history, the oldest college in uh, Ontario, started back uh, as the, uh, in 1947 as the uh, Provincial Textiles Institute, back when textiles were a big thing changed to the Hamilton Institute of Technology in 1957, became Mohawk College in 1967. We continue to be a leader and an innovator in the space. So I welcome your questions. Fantastic. And so what are students doing or preparing for now in light of COVID? Obviously, every educational institution has had to make contingency plans or concessions to accommodate uh, again, the precariousness of how things have impacted not only the economy, but life as we once upon a time knew it to be based on particularly September back to schedule. So what is Mohawk doing in preparation or, um, or, or doing to accommodate that? Yeah, well, any student who can study uh, virtually or remotely is doing so uh, through the summer semester and into the fall semester. We have uh, a small number of students. Uh, in the summer, we had about 1,100 students on campus that needed some face-to-face -face instruction to be able to complete their semester. In the fall, it'll be a slightly more, probably about 4,000 uh, students will actually be on campus uh, part-time, but most of our students will be studying uh, online, and most of our staff are working remotely to support them. Fantastic. Well, what I would also wish to say that uh, would lend some context to my role, not only as a graduate and part of the alumni of Mohawk College, but I was also part of the um, peer mentoring group. And I just want to say it was a lovely uh, it was a lovely full circle moment for me to still remain connected to my roots of Mohawk College, which is truly what gave me my footing in the trajectory of my career. And uh, I just want to say uh, a dedication tribute and appreciation to our friend, one of your previous faculty who passed away, uh, Kelly Dunham. Uh, she was fantastic. She was the mm. one who sought me out and she was the one who provided me with the opportunity to be a convocation speaker, which again was another additional honor, uh, which I take, I don't take anything lightly or for granted. So I just want to say the fact that I've had ongoing uh, investment of time and energies with the college, uh, the great programs that it produces, the wonderful students that are up and coming who are going to continue to be contributors to our society and to the business world. I just want to say what you're doing over there, uh, President Ron, it's, it, it shows. It, it, it shows in the faculty that you have. It shows in the students, it shows in the attitudes, and it shows in the progressiveness of what people go on to do with the course of their careers. So good on you. I just want to say that to you. Oh, thank you, Lisa. I appreciate that. And Kelly is a huge loss for us, for sure. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about uh, some of the highlighted programs you may want to discuss here, whether it be the entrepreneurship program or anything business related. This is very much a business entrepreneurship type program, although it speaks to all sectors and vocations as it relates specifically to living fearlessly. Um, but, but what are some of the business programs? What, what are you seeing upcoming, particularly in light of COVID and, and the change to economy? Uh, what's driving the economy, what's collapsing the economy, what's stifling the economy in terms of, you know, people taking business online and people looking more seriously at how do I work for myself? How do I monetize working for myself? How do I take products and services to market without necessarily working for somebody else? So what can you say about the world and realm of entrepreneurship and how that may apply to programs being offered specifically at Mohawk Run? Sure, great question. So let me start by giving a bit of context. So we have 170 different programs of study at Mohawk College. We have 10 different learning locations. Uh, Three of them are very large campuses, and then the other seven are smaller uh, learning hubs that might only have three or 400 uh, students at them. Um, We we, we serve about 30,000 students a year, and last year, 5,000 of those students participated in a specific entrepreneurial training. So they might have been in business programs, they might have been in skilled trades, they might have been in technology, they might have been in healthcare, but they had a, they had a view that at some point they would be their own boss and they wanted to start their own business. So 5,000 of those students participated in entrepreneurial training and programs. Um, About 150 of them actually started a business on campus. So we have a a student small business development center, which we call Surge, and there's an opportunity to start a business and be supported. And we have all sorts of supports around somebody who starts up in business. So about 150 students actually started a business uh, last year. We we do a lot of programs. Um, we have uh, uh, a, a entrepreneur in residence program where we'll bring in uh, somebody who uh, is a successful business leader. Uh, and he or she would then uh, spend time with our students and mentor them help them think through uh, models and ideas and help them uh, maybe get started in business. And then some of those businesses go on to become small businesses and bigger businesses. Some of them we continue to support. Some of them have um, uh, places right on campus. Uh, One of them does a lot with uh, uh, phones and the the cell phone market and aftermarket services for cell phones and uh, they provide those services right on campus to our students, for example. So our areas of expertise in the college would be technology, healthcare, skilled trades, and business would be sort of our top uh, top four. And uh, running through all of those now are entrepreneurship themes. So we just launched in conjunction with two other Ontario colleges, the first uh, Bachelor of Trades Management for people who might be plumbers, electricians, carpenters, welders, whatever that might be, who want to get into business for themselves. So it's a baccalaureate program, a three-year program where they can uh, study after they get their uh, their trades certificate or diploma and go on to um, earn the credentials to be able to uh, get into business for themselves and start their own business. Very uh, proving to be very popular. Uh, so many students nowadays see their future not in working for someone but in employing other people and growing their business fantastic 
I would say one of the things, Lisa, that's really changed. It's a very different mindset. We have, uh, uh, I don't know, about 8,000 international students on campus uh, most years. And uh, when I talk to domestic students, they talk about the job that they want. When I talk to international students, they, they have a very different mindset. They talk about the business they want to create. And uh, I, th- I think that's a great lesson for Canadians. We need to think more about you know, creating our own business, starting our own businesses, creating wealth for ourselves and our families, as opposed to just working for someone else. But uh, international students, I would say, come in with that mindset in their DNA. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, as part of the peer mentoring, I can attest to that. Uh, That was the experience of some of those I worked closely alongside with, and they had come in from other countries and their drive and their fortitude. um, It was unmatched. I I mean, I could distinctly see the difference. They were hungry. Um, But when we talk about entrepreneurship, I mean, generally speaking, historically, there's always been a five year benchmark attached to if you've made it, if your business has made it, if you've been sustainable, if you've been profitable, um, that may or may not have changed. Again, it's all individualized to each person's business. Sometimes they're they're accelerating rate in certain areas, deficient in other areas, and it takes a little bit longer to fine-tune things and to get things up and running. Um, But for the times that we currently sit in, Ron, what more specifically do you think has become crystallized or more abundantly true or clear with respect to what differentiates between an entrepreneur making it, what's required, what's necessary, what's non-negotiable as compared to somebody who maybe had a good idea, a good concept, but for whatever reason, it just didn't fly. So what, what do you think is absolutely fundamentally crucial for being an entrepreneur or for being within the realm or the arena of entrepreneurship? I think it starts with the mindset and the idea, you know, that's some, something unique, some problem that they're trying to solve. Uh, but, but it really goes to can they can they operationalize that? Can they actually gain revenue, uh, paying customers? And, and, and then where we we have probably have the biggest trouble in Canada is can they then scale up and grow? Can they get access to capital at the right time? Can they retain enough control of the business to allow them to continue to have that? hunger and that drive to grow the business. Um, so we talk a lot about time to capitalization. And uh, if you wait too long and you're growing too slowly, hard to raise the capital. If you grow too quickly, uh, hard to get the structures in place so that you can actually sustain it as a business before it, you know, it either explodes or implodes. So, so time to capitalization, I think, is an important metric. I think uh, oper- getting people with operational talent who can support you without wanting to take over ownership of the business is incredibly important. One of the things that works well in our marketplace is we have, we have lots of entrepreneurs who have done very well who are very interested in helping other entrepreneurs or budding entrepreneurs uh, succeed. And a lot of the reason is because they're coming to end of their careers. A lot of them are boomers who are looking to retire, but they're very interested in giving back. So they're uh, clearly there to support uh, others. And so we've been able to build a nice little ecosystem that supports uh, budding entrepreneurs to connect them with people who have have all the scars. They've done this. They've 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 learned uh, in some cases through the school of hard knocks in terms of what works and what doesn't work, and and 
I think advice, mentorship, support, somebody who can just um, sympathize with what you're going through is incredibly important. It's hard work to start your own business. And, um, and so having somebody along on that journey with you that can provide that kind of support is incredibly valuable. Absolutely. Absolutely. So would it be your opinion, um, Ron, do you think, do you think entrepreneurship in terms of all the embodying ingredients that would make one, obviously the goal is to be a successful entrepreneur. Do you think that's something that is innate or do you think it's something that's learned in terms of the trajectory of one's success? Well, I, I think you have to start with the, the drive and the desire, and I think maybe that's innate. But I think the skills that go along with it are absolutely learned. Um, I don't think anybody's born with all the skills to be able to be a successful business person. I think a, a lot of them have to be learned along the way, and some of them have some very obvious uh, blind sides in terms of either the finance of the business or the marketing aspects or the communication or the staffing or whatever that looks like. Um, when I was uh, very young, when I was 17, I started my own business, which was quite successful for 20 years, and I ran it part-time while I got my education and started my career. Uh, but I'll tell you, there were, if I knew what I know now, I would have been a lot more <laughs> successful than I was knowing what I knew then. So, you know, it, yeah. it, it, is, it is, there is experience that comes and education that's available that can help you do a much better job and, and maybe uh, it'd be a much less painful journey. Absolutely. And, and so what would your philosophy be then, um, Ron, in terms of a lot of people who spend an exorbitant amount of time, when we're speaking specifically about entrepreneurs or startups, people who spend an exorbitant amount of time trying to master or learn or acquire the skill set for things which are not innately don't come easily to them. They're not impassioned by, and then they end up spending, wasting, expending a lot of unnecessary energy rather than using that same time and reapplying it and investing it into what they are in fact considerably strong with or proficient with. Do you believe people should outsource? And I'm not talking necessarily to foreign countries, but I'm talking about outsourcing what your deficiencies are so that you can then hone what your your strengths are what what are your thoughts on that or do you think to be more well-rounded it should be an equal distribution of time and learning well you know i i, I do think that you can outsource a lot of this work you, you know you, you're never going to go through uh, law school and become a lawyer and understand uh you know trademark patents and patent infringement lawsuits and things like that um, but I do think it's important that you uh, that you have some sort of general knowledge about business, I, I, particularly around, I would say, uh, marketing and, and finances. You've got to know how to sell your product and what mm -hmm. works. And you can spend a lot of money on marketing firms, in my opinion, uh, that, that may or may not be uh, totally helpful to you. And it's always good to get good advice. But I think you have to have some basic understanding of why people buy or will buy what your value proposition is and what you're selling. And I think you have to have some basic understanding of the finances and the economics of what you're doing, or you'll get into trouble. I would say lots of uh, things that you can outsource. And lots of times I see um, people starting out looking for partners, not only to bring in capital, but to bring in expertise, more importantly, people who maybe understand a part of the business that you're not very good at and you don't want to invest the time in. 
but I would say if I was going to counsel people, I would say you need to understand your market and what you're selling to whom and, and why they would buy it. And you need to understand the economics of what you're doing and how you're going to make money off of all this. And, and many other things, I, I think, uh, including production, including uh, communication, including uh, legal, including finance, uh, uh, like accounting type finance stuff, I think you can, you can absolutely outsource. Absolutely. Agreed wholeheartedly. So when we look at your Ron role, anybody who's in a similar type role, whether they wear the title of president or CEO or senior management, um, I, I believe there's a lot of transferable skills that uh, are on the pendulum between senior management, uh, being a president of an institution. What entrepreneurial skills, and you've already prefaced that you've had that experience as a, a younger person. So you, you already have the mind, you're already inclined to think that way. What, what ways in which you as the president of Mohawk College, from an entrepreneurial type mindset, do you believe is important from the marketing perspective in terms of the optics that people have of Mohawk College? Like, what is your, I know you've got a lot of competing priorities and you're, you have a lot of roles and responsibilities and the accountability at your level is huge, but what is the one area that you always put at the forefront in terms of keeping the optics of what Mohawk uh, College is known and recognized and respected for at the top? What what are you thinking about each and every day? Well, there's a couple areas that are incredibly important, and you can't delegate them. One is the brand or the image of the college. So, what do we stand for? Mm-hmm. Um, so, for, for us, um, we are a leader in Canada in sustainability, in uh, support and education for Indigenous students, uh, in in accessible education, including free college credits uh, to those that can't afford to pay. Um, so, so those are important to us. Those are values that's part of our image, our partnerships that we, we have partnerships with over 2000 uh, employers. That's really important. And that's part of our brand. That's part of what we stand for. And if you come to Mohawk College, you know, you're going to get a great education and sustainability. Yeah, you know, you this is a, a college that's going to support you if you need help. Uh, and and if you're an indigenous student, this is going to be your college of choice. So so those are some of the things. I would say values is the second one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so that, so somebody's got to be the keeper of the values in an organization. I think it's often the president. They it does flow from the top and tone from the top is incredibly important in any organization. So people break our values and and we part ways with them. Uh, and we have we have proven that out enough time that people know that this is what we stand for. This is what we are about. Uh, support for our students is at the top of the list of our values. We're there to support our students, to encourage them, to support them, to get them through to graduation, to help them beyond that find a job. So if you're not there to help the student, you shouldn't be there at all. Absolutely. That would be that's our number one value at the college. And we see it over and over again with the feedback we get from students that they feel supported, they feel encouraged, they feel loved, they feel like they're getting what they need to be successful, not only in their studies, but uh, further than that in their careers as they launch into their careers. So I I would say those are the those are two things that I spend a lot of time and then uh, every college president, every university president spends a lot of time raising money. Uh, mm-hmm. because they're very expensive organizations to run. So 
So uh, working with all levels of government, working with donors is a big part of my day-to-day job as well. But I would say the brand or the image of the organization, the values of the organization, and then uh, the, the resources necessary to support and run the organization would be my top three. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure every president of every college or every university would say similar things that you're expressing here. Uh, And not to say that it would be disgenuous or questionable on any level. Uh, But prior to you having become the president of Mohawk College specifically, Ron, to the degree that you can remember uh, those days, those earlier days, and to the degree that you're able to be objective and unbiased, what does set... Mohawk College apart from any other institution which may characterize themselves as the same or as offering the same or having the same key core principles and value systems? What what distinctly separates Mohawk College from any other college? Well, I, I think a number of things. Um, so we're just coming to the end of our first five-year strategic plan. And when we look back, uh, we delivered on all our promises to the board and to our stakeholders. So um, our level of partnership in terms of the, the companies that we work with the to the benefit of our students is second to none. We were the first college in Canada to introduce uh, cooperative education, for example, first college. So that was back in uh, the mid-1960s. And... Um, and that has been a cornerstone of our education so that students get real uh, life experience at the same time they get the education. Uh, almost about 90% of our programs now have work integrated learning components to it. So at the same time you're learning, you would be working with one of our 2000 employers uh, to get practical experience as well. And many of those turn into job interviews as you can appreciate. Mm-hmm. So, so that level of dedication, that level of work with external partners, uh, how they view the college as a strategic partner, uh, there are very few colleges I'm aware of that have invested as much time and resources as Mohawk has in terms of building those relationships to to and for the benefit of our students. I, I would wholeheartedly. I would agree with that. I I would absolutely, because I have a lot of friends in academia who work at various universities and colleges. And in fact, my dad works at Mohawk College, um, which I don't think you're aware of. And he's also been inducted into the Hall of Fame, John McDonald over at the Stony Creek campus. Um, Yes. And, you know, so I've always been around academia. I know a lot of people, friends, acquaintances, peers, colleagues who have gone into academia are are at different institutions. And the one thing that they have said, regardless of where it is that they are, is that they see either through me as the example or other people collectively. um, I mean, I, I was a student in 1991, graduated in 1994. Here I am in 2020, and I still have an ongoing collaborative partnership relationship with the college. And that's because I didn't just put my time in, you know, back in the 90s for three years, get my diploma and move on and then go to university. No, you, you, the university kept up or the college kept up with me. And there was always that reinvestment of time and energy. How are you doing? What are you doing? And it impresses me to what degree Mohawk College really keeps their eyes 
on the the graduate students and the alumni to know who's doing what, who's made you know what strides. Um, you really have a pulse on that, and I've I've never heard anybody else, even those who I know who work at other institutions, who can go on record as saying that they have that strength. I mean, Mohawk College really is stellar and really does stand apart from every other institution based on that. You are so invested in your relationships with your students, graduated students, alumni, um, every program that you offer, the peer mentoring is, is phenomenal in terms of setting people up with the skills so as to be successful. Um, because your name is attached to these people's education and their life learning experience. So if they're going out into the world, whether they've got a diploma or not, but they're still fumbling their way through confidence or they're still fumble, fumbling their way through passion uh, or their, their, you know, certifiable skill set, then that's indicative of, you know, did Mohawk do its job or did Mohawk not do its job? And when I come in, even at the peer mentoring level, and this is with those who are set to graduate, you've done your job. You've done it brilliantly. Well, and I, thank you for that. And I, it's, an, it's indicative of, I, I think, our values, students yes. first. This is all about student success. And then living out those values and making sure that everybody who's there understands that's our priority. So whatever it takes, you don't have to come and ask the president, whatever it takes to make sure that student is successful, do that. That's the right decision, and you'll never be called out for it if that's what you do and the basis in which you spend money or spend your time. Uh, if it's if you're there to help students, you're doing the right thing. And while lots of organizations talk about that, the the um, the way we deliver it uh, on the ground is quite impressive to see. Uh, and when I came in six years ago from outside the organization, you know, people said that, and I kind of rolled my eyes, and I thought, yeah. Uh, and then I tested it over and over and over again, and nobody failed. Like, everybody got it. Everybody, you didn't have to talk about it. Everybody just lived it. And that's where you know you've got the values right, when it's there to support uh, the students and make sure that they are hugely successful as a result of making the decision to come to Mohawk College. Beautiful. Fantastic. Well, let me ask you this. It, it, it's, it's a professional kind of coupled with personal because I've been in many leadership roles in my uh, the span of my career, having been a graduate again from Mohawk College and McMaster University. And I know there's a lot of overlap and correlation between the two, uh, including faculty. Um, but, you know, when I got into my senior positions and I was a director at different agencies within social services, um, you know, it, you, it does require a certain skill set, mindset, uh, leadership capabilities, all of that combined to be at the top. But we know, and even as a solo serial entrepreneur, it doesn't matter how confident you are within yourself. It doesn't matter how convicted you are in your belief system, your core system, your value system, all of that combined, it can still be quite isolating, right? Because at the end of the day, it all falls back on you. So what, what do you say to other entrepreneurs? There's a lot of entrepreneurs around the world who are plugged into this show, Ron, uh, and who tune in specifically for this type of like real vulnerable uh, no bars hold, uh, no hold bar conversation, you know, where people aren't just trying to look good, sound good, um, but really putting the reality on the face of leadership is hard and leadership is lonely and leadership is isolating and it can be uh, a really 
in some cases, you know, people just don't get what you do. They don't, because if they did, there would be more people doing what you do. Um, so what do you say about that component aspect of your job from a real perspective? Well, you know, I can only speak for myself and then what I understand from others, but I, you know, you, you, you've got to find support. Um, you've got to find people that are in similar situations that understand what you're going through. Uh, leadership is always lonely and uh, somebody who is an entrepreneur starting their own business is working impossible hours, trying to do everything, trying to hold it all together, probably has family responsibilities as well. It is a really tough slog. And unless you've got somebody that you can unload on, get advice from, have an ear that a sympathetic ear to listen to, um, you know, it's going to really feel at some point like it's not worth the effort and not worth the emotional toll that it can take on you. And so, you know, there are lots of groups around, uh, some better than others, I'm sure, in terms of connecting people who are entrepreneurs to other entrepreneurs who have a similar mindset, who think the same way, who are, you know, innate risk takers, who uh, understand who in some cases are, are putting in impossible hours and trying to do it all themselves. There are, there are groups and there are people out there that have the battle scars that can help you through that, you know, what will be one, some of the toughest sets of decisions that you have to make. You know, and sometimes things go well and it's easy. And then other times you've got a retrenchment and COVID cost uh, caused that for a lot of um entrepreneurs who are running restaurants and uh, travel businesses and uh, theaters and, and movie theaters and other things. And, you know, it's hard to lay off people. It's hard to have to retrench. It's hard to watch people that you've supported and grown and, you know, their kids and, and their pets names, and all of a sudden you've got to lay them off. And those are the times when I think you particularly need to take care of yourself, get some support, and make sure that there's somebody there that you can you can talk to and can help you through this. Absolutely. Well, and and you know, indirectly too, that what comes to mind when you say all that because it's so true uh, and resonates with me on so many levels, Ron. But it's like who takes care of the caregiver, right? So if you're always the leader, if you're always the go-to, if you're always the one who's being innovative, strategic, you know, problem solver, putting out the fires. You know, it's very easy because those skills come easily to you. You wouldn't be in that position if they did not. And if you didn't have uh, the barometer of success to measure that you do. Um, but it can be quite depleting, right? Sometimes when people talk about your strength can ultimately become your weakness. That's what I, what I mean when I say, you know, who takes care of the caregiver, Right. Because if you want something done, you know, you're going to get it done. So sometimes we just designate it, redelegate it back to ourselves. Um, so I think you've impressed upon something that's very important there in terms of it doesn't matter how thick skinned you are, how confident or comfortable you are in your own skin or how networked or resourced you are. At the end of it, we're still human beings. So, yes, connect with your support system and and people who get your world, people who get your day-to-day -day grind, hustle, and reality. Otherwise, it's a bit futile and moot, correct? Absolutely. No, I, absolutely. And I've got a, a son who's in the business of working with troubled youth. And, uh, you know, he's talking to the police and, and social services and organizations like that day in and day out. And, you know, I keep reminding him too, you know, you're giving of yourself all the time. You're in a high stress position. Make sure that 
you know, you have some time for you and there's somebody there who you can unload on that you can share your concerns with uh, just so you don't burn out. And, you know, I think burnout is a huge risk for lots of professions, but particularly, uh, I think, for uh, entrepreneurs because they try to do so much themselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and what you talked about, too, it's not just specific to social services or crisis management. I think it's any leadership help position. There is some kind of um, vicarious trauma, if you will, that's associated with that, not to be melodramatic. And when I, I mean, trauma might seem a bit heightened when we talk about your role, per se. But, you know, you're getting all the disclosures, right? You're getting all the problems. You're getting all the budgetary uh, constraints that you've got to meet. And then when you look at current times of things that are unforeseen, that aren't factored into the budget, like the fallout of COVID and what that then does to your employees, what it does to student registration, you know, contingency planning, protocols, all those things, um, you know, you're really on the receiving end of all of it. (laughs) So yeah, very important, not just what you said in terms of what you, uh, you know, the advice that you imparted to your son, but also to yourself as the leader. And not to say that you don't assert that on your own or that you don't know when you need help. But I just, you know, as somebody who recognizes your tireless efforts, Ron, as somebody who's in a leadership role within my own business and having had that throughout the course of my career, I just want to say, you know, as one person in a leadership role to another person, you know, I, I respect what you do. I respect what you have built up for yourself. I respect as a result of your investment of time, energies, being conscious as a human being, being conscientious as a leader, what you what that has done in terms of putting continuously putting Mohawk College on the map, but signature to you in the timing of you having started and how you've continued to expand upon that and been more progressive with that. Um, so I, too, hope you are taking care of yourself, Ron. Well, hey, thank you. And, and it's, uh, there's lots of people uh, working, you know, similar crazy hours trying to figure this all out, too. And, and, and I would encourage them to hear that uh, as well, that you, you do have to take care of yourself. And uh, self-care is incredibly important, but particularly when you're going through times of stress. And this is a time of stress. It's a stress on organizations. It's a stress on your family life. It's a stress on your kids. I mean, everybody is experiencing something they've never experienced before, uh, you know, which is this pandemic and all the uh, implications it has for the way we live and the way we work and the way we travel and the way we do everything. So, yeah, it's a it's a good time for all of us to remember that that it's it's it, you know you can only use the saw you know so long without resting and sharpening it and um, and that's the same as our bodies and our minds. They've, they've got, we've got to enjoy that period of rest as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So being cognizant of time, Ron, I would be interested to know from your perspective, um, we, we see leadership being played out very differently on the world stage and not that I want to politicize anything here. Um, but, you know, leadership is defined, characterized, interpreted by many very differently, very uniquely. What does leadership mean for you specifically to the degree that you as a leader a thought leader, a change maker, a servant leader. Um, how do you t- hold yourself um, to account? What is it that is part of your daily rituals or regimen that keeps you on the straight and narrow so that you're always thinking, navigating, maneuvering, and operating as a leader should? 
Well, uh, well, thank you for that. And I do uh, embrace the notion of servant leadership. I think when we're put into these roles, you know, you, you get the benefit of the job and the title and whatever comes with that. But the cost of that is you are there to look after other people, to support other people, to ensure other people succeed. And, you know, whether you are a political leader or you are a business leader, if you are in the top chair, your job is to be there for uh, all those people that uh, are part of that organization or that country. And so if you're doing things for your own benefit to see yourself move ahead, you've got the wrong focus. And and I think it starts with focus. It starts with intent. I think the best leaders I've ever watched are the ones that you walk in a room and you can't always tell that they're the leader, but you talk to other people and you know that they are because they're the ones that are there for them, that are making the tough decisions, that are supporting them, that are encouraging uh, them when they need it, that are aware of their families and what it, it, what they're going through. That's an important part of a leader's job, I think. And, you know, the, the best leaders I've ever had and I've ever worked for, I would literally walk across hot coals for. And the worst ones, I couldn't get out of there fast enough. So, <laughs> you know, in a w- world of scarce resources, right, you yep. want to make sure you've got staff that will walk across the hot coals, not that you want them to, but if it really, if, if times are tough, you want them to stick with you. And they stick with you because there's something in you that they see that they admire and that they trust. And that's that's the kind of leaders we want in top jobs. Fantastic. And so to give context to this, because you would have your own mentors, you would have people who have been instrumental in navigating you that we may not know by name or reputation or integrity, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But if you look at, at the global stage in terms of the people who would be world renowned people who would be household names who do you think from your perspective who do you think's got this all figured out in terms of leadership in terms of how they demonstrate how they carry themselves how they conduct themselves how they hold themselves to account who would that be whether we're talking about the personal growth personal development industry whether we're, it, it could or may not have to be po- uh, politically related um it could be somebody in, in the business arena who who embodies all of that for you, Ron? Well, it's an interesting question. And uh, I think anybody who thinks they've got it all figured out is probably just being arrogant because it's true. Just when, when you think you do have it figured out, it changes. But one of the political leaders I've been most impressed with uh, is Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that the things that he did and the policies he put in place were to support people, particularly those that need the support the most. And um, so, so incredibly impressed with him and his leadership in Canada. Uh, Michael Messenger, who's the CE, president and CEO of World Vision, I think mm-hmm. is somebody who embodies the, uh, the the attributes that I admire uh, very greatly. And uh, I had the opportunity to work in the search committee to bring him into the organization and then was chair of the board. Uh, for World Vision Canada to help uh, see him uh, in action. And he is a great servant leader there for others and not for himself. And that's that's what you want in these uh, positions. But political, uh, Barack Obama and Michael Messenger probably in the, in the uh, not-for-profit space. Fantastic. Fantastic. So to the degree that you're able to be objective, um, looking at your own barometer, of personal growth, professional development. And I know for somebody 
whether you call it a type personality, somebody who's innovative, somebody who's visionary, all of the above combined. Um, what is it that you are either humbly still proud? I mean, I think people should be able to give themselves kudos and recognition, but what's most recognizably stand out about you and what you've evolved and expanded and developed into as a result of your time of having been at Mohawk College within the role of president? Uh, great question, Lisa. I, well, I think the thing that I'm most impressed with is the, the quality of the people that I've surrounded myself with, um, both uh, the board of governors, but as, as well as the whole senior executive team. Um, I, I could literally get hit by a bus tomorrow. I hope it doesn't happen. But if it happened, the college would continue on. Uh, we've got great leadership in there, uh, a couple levels deep, and at least. And uh, I don't think I would be missed for more than a, a moment. So I, I think that's the most I can hope for late in my career is that I've got great people who can continue on, who believe in the values of the college, who are willing to work as hard as I've worked uh, and harder and, and uh, the organization will continue to run and prosper and do great into the future. Fantastic. So as somebody who no doubt sets intentions, who's very deliberate, uh, who's very um, action driven, you know, I'm sure you've got for, uh, not just for Mohawk College and strategically mapping that out, but for yourself as an individual who would be multifaceted, you're not just a one dimensional human being. Um, so in terms of other endeavors, other passions, other goals, other intentions, what what does Ron McCurley want to also aspire to accomplish in his lifetime? <laughs> well, I, I set a, a list of life goals when I was in my 20s, uh, and I've achieved, I think, 13 out of 15, so I have two to go. One of them is to write a book, and I have a book in me. Uh, I want to really uh, target it to uh, young people in terms of some of the lessons that I've learned in life and uh, maybe help them on their way a little bit. So uh, for sure, that's one thing I'll do. I, I, um, uh, my wife and I, uh, I travel a lot, and, and I hope that continues post-COVID at some point. I would love to, there's more of the world I'd like to see and more cultures I'd like to be exposed to uh, in the world. And I, I find some of my greatest learning comes by spending time with people that aren't anything like I am. And um, so I'd like to continue to do that. And then I, third, I, I think I just want to make sure I leave Mohawk in great shape, uh, stronger than when I found it, uh, and with lots of uh, uh, possibilities for the future. And so uh, we're working on a lot of things right now uh, that will be announced in the coming year that I think will be very exciting uh, that will continue to make this organization stronger and better for our students and for the communities we serve. Beautiful. Fantastic. Well, you said something that was key there. And, you know, I do a lot of mentoring and coaching with clients as well. And when you said that you've accomplished 13 out of 15 of your lifelong goals, I took that to presume you also write things out, you map things out. And if that is in fact true, if I interpreted that correctly, Ron, I think that's a real tool. So I'd like to just spend a minute or so talking about that, like speaking your preferred um, reality into existence. I believe in all of that. I believe in proclamations. I believe in declarations. I believe in I am statements. I believe in 
uh, aligning yourself with the right people who have not only done and aspire to do what you've done, but they've done it better or successfully. That's who you, you mentor up with, but you have to be coachable for that. Um, so what have you done that's made it realistic for all those 13 out of your 15 goals to come to tangible fruition outside of you taking action, actionable steps and not just like being woo woo about it, of course. Yeah. Well, when I was 25, I set uh, 25 year goals for myself. Uh, I picked 25 years because I couldn't imagine living longer than 50. Um, now that I'm over 60, <laughs> I can imagine living longer than 50. Um, but, but then to break it down, I, I made one, three, uh, and 10 year goals to, to, uh, to support those. Well, one of the goals was to, to, to visit 50 countries by the time I was 50. And so when I was done all my goals, I shared them with my boss at the time. I was working for Bank of Montreal. And, um, and one of the things he did, because he saw I was interested in travel and new experiences, he put me on an international board. And so I got to serve on the MasterCard board uh, internationally and went around to different countries. And I got some experiences for free. Uh, in fact, I was paid to go do them because uh, I was bold enough to share my goals with other people and say, can you help me with any of this? And, you know, I don't think it's a sign of weakness to ask for help. I think it's a sign of strength. I think it's yes. people who are... are, are are, are secure in themselves that are willing to reach out to others and ask for help. And in that case, I got help. You, you know, I, I review my goals every year. Uh, I set new ones, uh, but, and I adjust other ones, but, but I always want to know where I'm going and where I've been and uh, hopefully, and I set them in different areas. So what's my contribution to society? What's my personal growth? Uh, what's my professional growth look like? What's my relationship with others look like? And so on. So I, I do think it's important. I think, it, I think you know where you're going when you take the time to, you know, turn dreams into goals. Uh, and if you just leave them as dreams, they're nice thoughts, but you'll never get there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and what you said is also important for the benefit of the listening audience and the podcast subscribers, because, you know, if you don't ask, the answer will always be no. And, and we all have wants and needs that we're not always uh, in a position to give to ourselves. You know, this is why it's so important that we put emphasis on community and partnership and collaboration and leadership and mentorship and all of those things, because you know, you, you can maybe meet all your needs, but it doesn't mean that you're set up in such a way that you're going to thrive or always maximize and meet your potential. And so, yes, always ask for what you need, uh, because you don't know what you don't know. And as we talked earlier at the top of the hour, um, we don't come into this world equipped with all skill sets, which is why I'll never homeschool my children beyond what, what is mandatorily necessary. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I'm not a teacher of all disciplines. I mean, in some cases, before I got to college, where I got to pick what I thought I was, you know, um, had a connection with or what resonated with me, you know, having to do all the things I didn't want to do or didn't excel at, uh, you know, I'm not the master of that. I mean, I didn't get 100% on everything from JK all the way up until even university level. So to think that I have that level of inherent experience where I can then declare myself a teacher and teach my children, uh, that would be a disaster in my home. <laughs> so... <laughs> But uh, I, I just want to say, Ron, I, I think you are stellar. Um, people like you 
but we're talking specifically about you and it's you that I'm interviewing. But people like you, people who have your DNA, people who do in fact embody your values uh, and people who exhibit it, like you're congruent, right? You walk the talk, people would know based on who you are, based on reputation and based on how successful the college is as a whole at the helm of your leadership. You know, that would only be possible and that could have ever tangibly come to fruition if you were the real deal. And so getting to interview people who are the real deal and knowing that you're in my backyard, I'm not talking to somebody in California, but, you know, if I ever wanted to go over to the college and set up a meeting with you and just have a coffee and just say, you know, you're doing a great job, right? Because I think people need to hear that more often than what they do. And it's not because you do what you do for the sake of getting stroked or getting the pat on the back or getting the accolades. It's not about having a big head. Um, but, you know, you being a parent, you give that to your children because, you know, as a nurturer, your children need to hear that. Uh, you say that to the students, you say that to the faculty, you say that to the board members, you say it to whoever's instrumental and plays a collaborative role within Mohawk College. I want to use this opportunity to just personally and professionally thank you, President Ron McCurley, because I think you're phenomenal. Um, and you're always welcome to come back to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. You will always have an open standing invitation. Uh, and I will always be here in whatever ways that I personally and professionally can to support you in your journey. Well, Lisa, thank you for your very generous comments. I really appreciate it. And where can people reach you, Ron? Uh, my email is first name dot last name at mohawkcollege.ca. So Ron dot McCurley at mohawkcollege.ca, or if it's easier, President at mohawkcollege.ca. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank you again for the gift of your time. Keep doing what you're doing because it's stellar and it's needed. Uh, and to the listening audience, I want to thank you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedule for joining myself and President Ron McCurley here on Living fearlessly with Lisa McDonald on the Contact Talk Radio Network, soon to also be found on C-Suite Radio Network in New York. And I'm very clear on my purpose. My purpose is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. So until next Friday, when we're joined by yet another phenomenal guest, I wish you all my very best. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay uplifted, and live fearless. Thank you, Ron. Take care, love and gratitude, all my best. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero, be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.